This is Structured Rambling, a podcast about ideas from literature and about literature. Episodes can focus on a single text or a theme from multiple texts. My name is Paul Sonsby. Welcome. This is the second episode of my long project analyzing the seven books of Stephen King's The Dark Tower series. It'll be interesting when I get a little further along as the last three books I've only read one time, right as they came out. It's I'm looking forward to it because it's I'm due for a reread of them. Um, it'll be interesting because it stands right now. This episode is about my favorite book in the series. In fact... As I've said in the title, it may be about my favorite Stephen King book ever, even more than other personal loves such as Misery or 112263. Every time I reread this novel, I'm thrilled anew. It's so different from The Gunslinger, and really so different from what the rest of the series is, in so much the same way as The Gunslinger and the w- later Wizard and Glass are standalones in the series, this one is a standalone in the series. And yet, the rest of the series owes everything to the things Stephen King created in this book, The Drawing of the Three. It's not as if it came totally out of the blue either, as most of this book was set up at the end of The Gunslinger, at least foreshadowed. But that's... What's what's different? What's different about it is the style and the voice between the Gunslinger novel, um, because the Gunslinger novel is sometimes a little stiff, a little cardboard, a little off. The Drawing of the Three is a purely Stephen King book. Despite despite not being a horror novel, it has all the hallmarks of vintage King. Of course, if you think the old cliche that King, that King is only a horror writer. You haven't paid him much attention in the past 40 years. He basically shook all that off when he wrote The Stand. What Stephen King is a modern master of speculative fiction who sometimes writes horror. At the end of The Gunslinger, Roland, the gunslinger, is told by the man in black who reads his tarot that he, Roland, will draw three figures to join him on his quest. His quest for the Dark Tower. One is called The Prisoner, one the Lady of Shadows, and the third the Pusher. Then time suddenly fast-forwards, a whole bunch, Roland is aged, and he wakes up on a beach, and that's where the book ends. The Drawing of the Three, despite being book two in an old-fashioned quest series, the quest for the Dark Tower, doesn't physically advance the quest much. The whole book takes place on a beach, and in three different time frames of New York City. But therein lays its brilliance because, in the book, King shows for the millionth time what a brilliant builder he is of characters, small and large. And then there are the three people who are drawn themselves, and how they help flesh out Roland's character as well. He's given much greater dimensions in this book, probably because he's severely injured and weak, dying for most of the book. I'm not spoiling anything here. It happens in the first chapter, but Roland loses two fingers from his right hand and most of a toe. For the next basically six books, he's a one-handed gunslinger, and yet the injury always feels new and strange to me when mentioned. 
I think of it as, as a new thing, even though the majority of the series he has this injury. The mauling establishes the threat of the beach side of the story, these so-called lobstrosities. King takes a bit of time describing these creatures, giving them a sort of myth. They come out of the waves at night, and they pause every time a wave crashes in what he calls a sort of boxer stance. They look a little bit like lobsters. They look a little bit like insects. They speak in an odd, um, insane questioning. Did a chick, dumb a chum. They eat seagulls and gunslinger fingers. They're themselves edible, and they're lingering in the background for as long as Roland is on the beach, which is the whole novel. Then why does Roland stay on the beach? Why? Because on the beach, he will draw the three. Over the course of the novel, he finds three doors floating in space, attached to nothing, each labeled with the name of the person the man in black told him to expect. The first door is labeled the prisoner, and it leads to Eddie Dean. Eddie is my favorite character in the series, and an excellent moment to consider the indulgent character building that this novel is about. Eddie is a heroin addict, and when Roland first enters his mind, Eddie is flying to New York from Jamaica, muling a couple of pounds of cocaine for a gangster. Eddie uh, lives in New York City of 1987, modern to the original readers, but now just as historical as Odetta and Jack Mort's 1960s New York is in the later two sections. Sometimes there's pop culture references that aren't explained. That's a one of Stephen King's only faults, is he makes references to pop culture that's current at the time of the novel. And given this is a, a, you know, a 37-year-old book, some of those references I barely remember, so it doesn't always read like history, but it's still okay. As Roland sees things through Eddie's eyes, a delight I'll come to presently, King needs to build Eddie's backstory. How did Eddie become a junkie? Well, the influences of his brother, Henry, who picked up the, the habit in Vietnam. So we read Henry's story, too. His connection to Eddie. Why is Ed, Eddie carrying these drugs? Why is he muling this cocaine? For a major mafia boss named Balazar. So we need his story too. And we tantalize and get to see him build a tower out of cards. We get detailed biographies of most of Balazar's men. We get details on Jane Dorning, a flight attendant who almost heroically takes Eddie down when he makes her suspicious on the flight. Luckily, Eddie is able to ditch the drugs through some convenient interdimensional travel in the bathroom. We get fat Johnny Holden, who works as a clerk in a gun shop. Officer, officers Carl Delavan and George O'Meara, Odetta's driver, Odetta's parents, and a second set of New York cops, a pharmacist. Every single one of these is given far more realistic biography than necessarily flat characters need sometimes. What Stephen King reminds you across the drawing of the three is he makes humans better than anyone, giving even minor characters a complex backstory, believability, and a little time in, in the sun with the third-person limited chapter two dedicated to them. This allows Eddie, Roland, and Odetta to be observed and described by outsiders, subtly adding to their characterization. Eddie is roughly good-looking, and has the agitated paranoia of a deep junkie. The gunslinger is robotic, unsettling, and has these 
quote, bombardier eyes and a way of haunting people for years after after they first see him. Odetta has a, has a remarkable beauty and a maturity and a strength that belies her relative youth and confinement to a wheelchair. This isn't so much a novel as a series of interconnected short stories. The only character who doesn't get a heap of time is Jack Mort. And I'll come to this, but this is one of the book's many, many surprises because Jack Mort is the guy who's behind door number three. He's the pusher. At the end of The Gunslinger, you'd be forgiven for thinking that a pusher has something to do with the heroin addiction that the man in black tells us Eddie suffers from. In reality, Jack is related to Odetta slash Detta, the Lady of Shadows, because he's a sadist who hurts people. He's an actual, physical pusher. If there are any fantasy slash quest tropes in the novel, one is the gathering of the party. The whole concept of the drawing of the three leads us in that direction, but Jack Mort isn't being drawn, he's being used. Once Roland comes forward, taking control of Jack Mort completely, he doesn't let go until Jack is used up completely. He's not coming to the other side. He provides Roland with nothing, and Odetta slash Detta will make three on a technicality. The most indulgent King gets on one of the three is Eddie, and frequently in the first section of that novel, you can be forgiven for, for forgetting entirely what this book is about, instead getting caught up in the story of a junkie whose brother is in a lot of trouble. The first section is this slow build, and the other two move a lot faster. Rules have to be established along with Eddie being characterized. When Roland comes forward, he can view and be part of the host's world. There are several delightful moments, like when he first joins Eddie's point of view midair as a fl- on the flight into New York. His reactions to the flight attendants as, quote, army women. His calling cops, quote, gunslingers. There are goofier moments, too, like how he calls aspirin, astin, sandwiches, popkins. And my personal favorite, his reaction to soda pop. Quote, he put three of the pills in his mouth, mouth, then pushed the cover, some strange white stuff that was neither paper nor glass, but which seemed like a bit of both, off the paper cup which held the drink, and washed them down. The first swallow amazed him so completely that for a moment he lay there, propped against a rock, his eyes so wide and still and full of reflected starlight that he would surely have been taken for dead already by anyone who happened to pass by. Then he drank greedily, holding the cup in both hands, the rotted, pulsing hurt in the stump of his fingers, barely noticed in his total absorption with the drink. Sweet! God, such sweetness, such sweetness, such! One of the small, flat ice cubes in the drink caught in his throat. He coughed, pounded his chest, and choked it out. Now there was a new pain in his head, the silvery pain that comes with drinking something too cold too fast. He lay still, feeling his heart pumping like a runaway engine, feeling fresh energy surge into his body so fast he felt as if he might actually explode. Without thinking of what he was doing, he tore another piece from his shirt. Soon it would be no more than a rag hanging around his neck and laid it across one leg. When the drink was gone, he would pour the ice into the rag and make a pack for his wounded hand. But his mind was elsewhere. Sweet! it cried out again and again, trying to get the sense of it, or to convince him, convince itself there was sense in it, much as Eddie had tried to convince himself of the other as an actual being, and not some mental convulsion that was only another part of himself trying to trick him. 
Sweet, sweet, sweet. The dark drink was laced with sugar, even more than Martin, who had been a great glutton behind his grave aesthetics ex- exterior, had put in his coffee morning at Downer's. Sugar, white, powder. Isn't this, like, cute? It's that, it's like, I don't know, this is a terrible example, but it's like Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure when they pull all those historical figures into the mall. There's just something fun about a a character from a fantasy world encountering our world and dealing with it. It's it's delightful. You, you know, there's comparisons all through this book to Roland being like the Terminator, and you you see those cutesy moments in Terminators Two and even the third one, and and that's this kind of thing. I love it. It's peppered with this. It's Roland is is not a very dynamic character, but he is humanized more through interactions with things like simple sugar in a Pepsi. Roland can come fully forward and take complete control of the host. The host sees the door that that he's come through, um, and he sees the beach beyond it everywhere he goes, and the door follows him around. There's this really creepy scene where Eddie's in a car watching this door follow him through the streets. Roland can bring bring items from our world to his, like aspirin, pop, hot dogs, bullets, cocaine, and antibiotics. And an inconvenient mob thug to die. Roland can fully enter our world too, although he only does this once to aid Eddie in a shootout. And once he brings the other person back to his side and is there himself, the door disappears and the person is on his side forever. This is what happens to Eddie and to Odetta slash Detta. Eddie's is a story of redemption, because it's Roland's first encounter with our world, it's the longest one, and for me, Eddie becomes and remains my favorite character in the series. He's able to hold his own alongside the gunslinger, taking part in a shootout, buck naked no less, and in time, he is even able to beat, to defeat, to overcome his heroin addiction. In fact, as Roland becomes more and more incapacitated from the lobstrosity venom, Eddie has to take the lead and take care of Roland. Eddie's strength and resilience is fairly inspiring in this early part of the book, and for the book as a whole. The Odetta slash Detta part is a little more troubling. It's still good, but as I read it this time, I found myself wondering if King would have gotten away with the same thing, writing this same thing, the same character, this same way today as he did 37 years ago. The character of Odetta Holmes suffers from multiple personality disorder. She's an upper-class black woman living in New York in the 1960s, taking part in the civil rights movement. She is wheelchair-bound, missing both legs below the knees, a victim to Jack Mort's pushing. He pushed her in front of a train. In fact, in a Dickensian coincidence, she's a victim of Jack Mort twice over, as when she was young, he dropped a brick on her, Um, forcing her into a coma and bringing out her second personality, Detta Walker. Detta is a crude-speaking caricature of a black person from the South, the sort of stereotype those fighting against the civil rights movement would perpetuate, the sort of thing you'd expect to hear someone say about, uh, in a derogatory sense, at a Trump rally. Now, I hate cancel culture. I hate that people saying, I'm offended, allows them to shut down whole avenues of discussion, and that people's lives and careers can be destroyed just by being accused without proof. That said, Dada Walker reads a little uncomfortably today. 
Her overtly racist language, written by a white man, even when recognizing in text that it sounds like a caricature, it's disconcerting. The first time I read the novel, I was about 11, and I do recall never having heard the terms honky or cracker before that. And then there's the matter of the treatment of her multiple personality disorder. This is a narrative fantasy, not a book based on science. Having Jack Mort appear as the person who twice nearly kills Odetta matters more to this story than the true study of the psychological nature of trauma. But still. The idea that a brain injury alone is the cause of someone developing a persona completely, fully developed secondary persona, that's a little bit sketchy. The second premise that Odetta would create a fantastical, morbidly comical, deep south stereotype is worse. And that they see each other through the door and Odetta shows love for Detta and it results in a merging of the two personalities into a third called Susanna is sort of the literary equivalent of getting kicked by a mule and gaining your vision back. Now, Peter David did the same thing with the Hulk and gave us Professor Hulk in the comics, so, you know, it's a literary thing. But it's it's a little awkward. Armchair psychiatry and psychoanalysis is as dangerous as armchair politics. However, she's a compelling character. It's weird that I still think of Susanna as her new name, because just like the gunslinger's injury, I mean, it's... It's her name for the next five books. It's even the title of the sixth book, but but that's how much this book stands out to me. Though I get why he does it long term, King's development of a love affair between Eddie and Odetta slash Susanna seems rushed and contrived to me on this read. It's a love at first sight in a stressful situation thing. Um, eye roll, but... This is a fantasy novel, and fantasy novels, when they're good, do have an element of the fairy tale. They're meant to be. But I will contradict myself by saying, or sorry, and I will contradict myself by saying that when they do accept, when we accept that they're having a rapid-fire courtship, the moment they hold hands and recite the Starlight, Star Bright poem together is so strikingly beautiful. And, number two... Their love will remain unbroken, beautiful, sustained, and believable across the rest of the series. So maybe it comes in a hurry, but it burns long through. You know, what bothers me more, and it's even way worse in in book three, The Wastelands, is the only significant female character in the series has to be a love interest for one of the male characters and has to be sexualized. Same thing with Allie in book one. I mean, I'll play the hypocrite yet again by saying I love the love of Eddie and Susanna, and I believe it, and I cherish it, and I don't even mind that they make love on the beach despite the life-or-death circumstances like in a Hollywood movie. What I don't like is this is always the fate of female characters. Even a flight attendant like Jane Dorning, whose brief little narrative is so great, has to spend a moment or two thinking to herself that Eddie's kinda hot. How Susanna's sex is used in the Wastelands I'll come to when I do that book, and I get that King found this a a quasi-clever way to eventually connect books 1, 3, and 6, thus having another through thread between 30 years of content. 
in the long run, and I'll see on this new read, but what he achieves by that sexualizing of, of Odetta, or sorry, of Susanna, see, of Susanna and what, what happens, what is birthed from it, I don't think that ever pays off. I think that takes away from the man in black as a villain and creates a new and useless villain. But still, female characters defined first as love interests or sex objects really irks me. What does work is Odetta and eventually Susanna. She has a maturity, an education, an eloquence. She, a 1960s black woman, is of a far higher standing than Eddie, an 80s white man. Eddie is essentially white trash, but that sort of hard-nosed New Yorker core gives him such charm. And because Susanna is so mature and proper and that Roland is a robot... Eddie's further charm is that he's the only character in the novel with a sense of humor, and that goes miles for me personally, and most audiences in general. Susanna being a combination of Odetta and Detta is a bit of a loophole, because since she's technically two people, Roland does draw three, which allows him to give Jack Mort a most poetically just ending. The the Drawing of the Three is a fantasy book, and is a fantasy quest novel, but it's a very significant anti-quest stage in the series. I don't think King really knew where he was going with the gunslinger, other than that, the fact that he was going to try to tell a fantasy story. He was a kid with an idea, he liked Lord of the Rings, and he didn't really know, and he wouldn't know for another 30 years, where he was going to take that. Drawing of the Three is a weird book. Gunslinger is a much weirder book. Much of it doesn't make much sense and doesn't appear to have an intended direction. The Drawing of the Three is the first Stephen King book in the Dark Tower series. And this is Stephen King in 1987, the most significant writer in the world at the time, a writer at the top of his game, a game he has stayed at the top of for the subsequent 37 years. This is the book that made the series, well, a series. I want to thank you for listening today, and if you enjoyed my podcast, please feel free to give me a rating and review. Episodes come out at the beginning and middle of pretty much every month. Have a great day.